leave my mouth. I never talked to myself. I never said anything to myself. But out loud, I said, I just wish somebody loved me. And I kid you not, with my hand on the Bible, I heard a voice, something I've never heard before in my life. And the voice spoke to me, and it said, look over. And I looked into my passenger seat, and I kid you not, young people, I looked over in my passenger seat of my truck, and there's a man sitting there. Now, let me remind you, I'm a very logical person. Everything needs a reason. Everything needs an answer. And I look over into my passenger seat, and there's a man sitting in my truck. And it's somebody I'd never seen before, but I knew exactly who he was the second I looked at him. It was Jesus Christ himself was sitting in my truck. And he looked at me. And I remember, I've had, I'm 30 years old now, I've had over 11 years to think about this moment, and I can't even describe really what he looked like. The only thing I could say is his eyes were not brown, they were not green, they were not blue, they were not human color. I felt like I was looking into a galaxy. I felt like I was looking at a Hubble telescope image of the Milky Way. When I looked into his eyes, I saw all of creation in that moment. The atmosphere in the truck changed, the oxygen changed, what was inside of my lungs changed, and he looked at me and he said three words that changed my life forever. He said, I love you. And that's all he said. And in that moment, I was broken. 19 years of pain, 19 years of hurt began to come out of my eyes. And this is the crazy thing, young people. God strike me down if I'm lying right now. I don't remember how I made it home because Jesus literally drove my truck to where I was going. And the last thing I remember is I was wiping the tears from my eyes, looking at a gate, and I was like, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. In that moment, I realized that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he was alive, that he is active, that he is moving in power. Can I tell you something, young people? people. The power of God is in this room right now. The power of God is in this conference right now. But can I be real with you? With 52 seconds left, no one else is going to come through for you. No one else is going to come through for you. The only one that's actually going to come through for you is Jesus. Come on, somebody. The only one that's alive that's going to do it is Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And the reason he said that is because he's the only one that's actually going to come through in your life. Come on. Give him some praise this afternoon. Give him some glory. And with that, I'm going to hand the mic off to the next one. Come on. Can you guys make some noise? Let's go. Come on. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise? I'm going to go down here. I'm going to follow his footsteps. Come on, let's give Jesus the shout of praise in here. Come on, if Jesus has done some breakthrough, if you've been set free, delivered, washed by the blood, come on, somebody stand up in this place. If you've been delivered, set free, washed as a new creation, come on, give him glory. (laughs) I'm going to teach you a word. A new word that you probably have never heard. Come on. A new word you probably never heard, and it's called Igbalo. Have you ever heard of this word called Igbalo? Put your hand up. Not Igbola, you know what I'm saying? But Igbalo. Put your hand up if you ever heard this word. This word is the word that, that it's used in Matthew 9.38. He said, I saw, this is Jesus. In the multitude, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. He goes, I sent forth labors into the harvest field. That word said, send is not the normal word that Jesus was using. The original word in the Greek means igbalo. And it is the same meaning in the Greek. It means to violently thrust forth. 
there's actually another meaning. It means from where you're sitting, he follows you into the harvest field. That same word is used in Matthew 10, 8, when he says, heal the sick and cast out demons. And when Jesus follows demons, demons have to go. And when he follows labors, labors have to go. Come on, I want you just to stand with me and we're gonna pray. For the next four minutes, we're gonna ask God to send forth labors into our high school campuses, to our family, to our friends. Just begin to lift your voices. Father, we ask God this afternoon that you would follow labors. Follow labors into the hardest, darkest places in the valley. Father, we ask for Modesto. Father, we ask for Lathrop. Lord, we ask in faith, will you break in? Come on, lift your voices all across this place. Jesus, we ask, God, that you would send forth labors. Lord, we ask out of this room, let there be labors that you hurl forth into the harvest field. Father, I pray, God, out of this place that you would mark us with the prayer for Igbalo. Lord, that you would hurl forth missionaries. Lord, missionaries on high school campuses. Missionaries in college campuses. Lord, missionaries in the inner cities. God, we ask out of this room, Lord, raise up evangelists, preachers, prophets, God, pastors. Lord, we ask, we give you all the praise and all the honor. Lift some voice and give some praise to Jesus in this place. Amen. Man, I got to follow that. Jeez, we were, I thought that was getting, we're going into a prayer meeting right now. That was so good. You guys, I won't, I won't waste too much time. I, I'm not usually a preacher. I usually sing. So I, I'm going to kind of be the, the worship guy, I guess the worship representative um, for this. And, and I want to talk about worship, what it means to worship with your life. And uh, when we talk about being sent, just like Pastor Job was saying, and everything that you've been hearing, um, there, there's the calling that God gives you. But then it, it's, it's interesting to see how it works out in our lives. It doesn't always look, out the, look the way that we think it will. Um, it doesn't always work itself out the way that we might um, fantasize about or think about when we look at the preacher on Instagram or your favorite person. It's, it's really interesting. And um, I want to look at the first time that the word worship is used in Scripture, which is in Genesis 22. And so bear with me. It's a little bit longer of a passage, but this is the story of Isaac and Abraham. When uh, Abraham finally had his son Isaac, he'd been hoping for a son, he'd been praying for a son, he was way, 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 super old, shouldn't be able to have a kid, and then God blessed him with his son Isaac. Um, and so he finally has Isaac, and then God tells him, in Genesis 22, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, in case you forgot, he's your only one, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. It continues on. And then verse 5 says this. It says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you again. We're going to go up there and we're going to worship and then we'll come back to you again. Now, when we think of worship, so often we think singing, we think music, we think, you know, like a worship service like this, right, which is beautiful in and of itself. But the first time that the word worship was used was in the context of, context of Abraham taking his son Isaac up onto a mountain, fully expecting to have to sacrifice him, but still with faith saying, maybe God will change the plan and he'll come through. And so then they make their way up the mountain, and then it continues in verse 9. It says, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, to, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand, took a knife to slaughter his son. And it continues on saying that um, the Lord sent an angel and said, stop, hold on, look behind you. And there was a ram that God provided for the sacrifice. But the first time that the word worship was used is in the context of complete submission to God's will. Abraham had no idea why God would ask him. He, God himself had promised him Isaac. And then here he is asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his one and only son that was supposed to carry on the will of God for generations and generations, right? And uh, the first time that worship was used, and that word um, in the original language meant to lay prostrate. It was like a, it was like a, uh, um, a posture of, of just complete, um, like, I'm, I'm losing the word, but like submission, right? Like, yeah, like, like submission, like he just laid out prostrate. And so when we ask God to use us and we're sent by him and we get uh, a mission from God, so often it doesn't look glamorous, but it looks like self-denial, even to the point of reason. It's like, I don't even get it. I don't even understand why you're asking me to go do this ministry school or go to this place or, you know, do this thing. Because I assume that if I'm called to do ministry, then I'm going to go do this because that's what I've seen before. So often it's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. And as we worship in our lives through sacrifice, God does incredible things. He comes through. And, and the other part of this was Isaac's faith as well. Isaac was a strong, able-bodied young man. <laughs> he, when they were waking, making their way up the mountain, he said, hey, Dad, uh, where's the sacrifice? And I started to get kind of weirded out about it. He's like, where, where's the ram? He goes, don't worry, son. The Lord's going to provide a sacrifice. And as he was making his way up, I think he started to realize what was happening. And then as he laid on the altar, he, it wouldn't have been a contest. He could have fought back. He could have ran away. He could have done anything. But even he submitted to what he knew that the will of the Father was for his, his own dad, even to the point of death. And he didn't end up having to do that by the grace of God. But um, just my encouragement, if I can give you anything as the worship guy, is uh, as we worship with our lives, ask him, what, what do you want me to sacrifice? What do you want me to submit to you? What do you want me to give up? Because it's, it's just so easy to cop out and do the comfortable thing. It's so easy to post whatever we want on Instagram and look like a success. But it's like really in our hearts we know if we're actually following the will of God. We know if we're, if we're really secretly dabbling in these other things and we're not sacrificing, we're not submitting, we're not laying these things down. He knows. And you might be able to get away with it for a little bit. You might be able to, to function out of your own gifting. But until you sacrifice, submit, and you worship through prostrate, 
a posture of, of, of just being laid out for him and saying, God, take whatever it is that you want from me. Um, he won't really be able to use you to the full extent that he wants you to. So my encouragement is let's let him wor- or worship through your life. Let him use you and ask him what he would have for you to submit to him. And I got to follow that? No way. Come on. Okay, can you guys give it up for Jesus in here? There's only one reason why we're in here. There's only one reason why we came today, why we came yesterday. Can we give it up for God? That was like a golf clap. Can we give it up for your creator? Can we give it up for your father in this place? He deserves your highest praise. Can we also give it up for Pastor Matt? Can we give it up for Pastor Chris for throwing this amazing conference for these pastors over here who are literally laying their lives down to see this happen? This is for a bigger purpose, y'all. And before I even get started, I want everyone to stand up. I know I got seven minutes. I tried to stay on cue for the breakout, and I did. Thank you, Lord. Usually I go over. But I want you guys to repeat this after me. Say, it's It's not not impossible. impossible. Say it again. It's It's not not impossible. impossible. All right, go ahead and sit down. So let me give you a little background. I'm a PK. Anyone else in here is a PK? Pastor's kid. Hey, come on, PKs. Let's go. I was a PK, I was raised in church, born in church, I was literally on the pews, this was my bed at a time of my life, I'm not joking you, uh, Pastor Chris could tell you everything, he grew up with me, but literally I had to watch all of these people and all of these pastors do their anointing and go through their seasons and, and do what they had to do, then I ended up, and as PKs know, you get looked at as a microscope, everything that You look at it, and when you do something wrong, they're waiting for you to make the wrong mistake. They're waiting for you to backslide. They're waiting for you to make that mistake, and I was looked at as a microscope my whole life. And so when I made a mistake and when I did things wrong, I was bashed at. I was looked at as a weird kid. But then I ran away. There was a time in my life where I despised God. There was a time in my life where I never wanted to be a pastor. There was a time in my life where I ran so far, and I just wanted to share heart with you guys. I was literally contemplating on what God wanted me to speak on today, but he was just like, I need you to be so transparent so they know I can take them out of their mess. I need you to be so transparent with them so I know I can make their mess into my masterpiece. And so I'm just going to be real with y'all. I was so down on the earth. I was so down in this world. My wife can tell you there was things that literally I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror and say, man, I can never go back to church. I can never be worthy of God's love. I can never. I got into so many drugs. I got into the party scene. I got into the world. I got into the point where five of my friends died because I got into the drugs that I was doing at a point in my life. These are real things. These are real situations. Wake up, youth. We're living in a hard time right now. I'm sick and tired of friends passing away. I'm sick and tired of my youth coming to me saying my friend just passed away. We just had a gentleman pass away this last month because he was intoxicated in the pool and ended up drowning. I'm so done seeing the world take over the youth. I'm so done with our youth getting taken over by the sin. And so what happened was I had an encounter with God. And I was raised up listening to all these pastors, listening to all these things. And what's incredible was the reason why I told you to say it's not impossible is because at one point in my life where I never thought I could even get up here. At one point in my life where I never thought that God can use my mess. At one point in my life where I never thought God can use my story. I had to submit. Like we were talking about, I had to submit. There was some healing that had to take place. And if that's needed in your life... You need to heal before you can help others heal. Don't walk around bleeding out. You need to heal. 
okay? It's good to get healing. But then now it's now yours to go give someone. So what happened was I received my healing. I received my encounter like you all did today or yesterday. I, I guarantee you. This is the time now to go give it to someone. This is not time to rest. And the scripture I wanted to pull you guys to was Joshua. And this was 5, uh, verse 1, verse 5. And literally, I believe that this passage is for you guys today. I spoke a little about it on the breakout, but I really feel that if you guys got this message, and you guys understand it's not impossible, because I'm going to share something with you guys at the end that's going to blow your mind. But let me just share this with you. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you in all of the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not lose you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and be courageous. And I feel like the word of God, and I feel like God is just telling us today, is be strong. Be courageous. Hey, I won't leave you. Hey, I won't forsake you. Hey, don't give up. Hey, don't give up. I'm, I'm, I, I just, I keep on saying that. Don't give up because there's some people in this room where after this conference, you can go back and choose to give up because no one's going to be there right next to you. God is right there next to you all along. God has always been there right next to you all along. And all you need is just some people next to you to say, hey, it's okay. Let's go forward. To throw it all and to tie this all together. There was a moment in my life where I said, God, it's impossible. It's so impossible for me to preach. I despised it, y'all. I literally tried to turn away to every avenue not to get up in this age. I tried. But if a call of God is on your life, you cannot run from it. Try all you want. Try all you want. You can't, I'm, an, I'm literally a prime example of that. The pastors I'm hearing tonight, Pastor Corey Russell, I listened to him growing up. I never thought that I can get into the spot because I never wanted it, but you can't run away from a call. Now, I'm at the same conference preaching with him. Here's my inspiration to you. It's not impossible. I don't know who I'm talking to, and I don't know what you walked in with, but whatever you're going through, it's not impossible. I'm looking at the future generation pastors. I'm looking at future generation prophets. I'm looking at the future generation people who are going to break chains off of this generation, who are going to break generational curses, who are literally going to learn how to cast out demons and be okay with signs and be okay with miracles and be okay with wonders. And let me just be an inspiration to you. If God can do it with a broken, jacked up, drugged up person like I was, he can do it for you. He can do it for your friends. He can do it for the ones that no one else wanted to go to. So let that be the inspiration that you guys are carrying out. If God did it for Moses, if God did it for Joshua, he can do it for you. Come on. Man, you guys, that was a word. I hope you held on to that. You, let me just say this. The reason that y'all ain't jumping and running on that word right now is because I just feel there's an internal battle within your mind. You heard what he just said, that God is calling you and you have a call on your life. But the reality is, is there is another voice speaking inside of your heart. And it is a negative script that is on replay that is continually telling you that you're not worthy. That could happen for somebody else. Maybe the person in front of me or maybe be the person sitting behind me but oh no no you don't understand
understand, preacher. It can never happen for me because you don't know what I know about myself. But do you not understand the God that you serve, the one that died on the cross for your sins, the one that bled, the one that three days later rose up from a tomb and defeated death? Do you not understand that God has come into your heart and to your soul? And you need to know that God has called you. Do not let your history begin to define your insecurity. But you need to understand this. Listen up every single person. There is a difference between demonic guilt and divine conviction. There is a difference between demonic guilt and divine conviction. You see, demonic guilt will have the devil look and say, look at what you did. and, And look at all the things that you've said. And look at all the promises that you've broken. And the things that you've tried. And the ways that you have failed. And they'll point it all out. And it'll make you feel guilt. And it'll make you feel shame. And because of that, they'll say, God wants nothing to do with you. And demonic guilt will tell you to run, 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 run away. God wants nothing to do with you, but not conviction. Holy conviction will say, look at your guilt. And God will look at it and say, yeah, but I called them. God, yeah, but I chose them. Yeah, but I spoke to them. Yeah, but I gave them a name. And it's not their name. I gave them my name. The name above every name. The name of Jesus is upon them. And that voice will not tell you to run from God, but it'll tell you to run to him. And when you begin to run to the Lord Jesus Christ, then he'll use you to run after other people. And this is the crazy thing, y'all, and I'm almost done, so I'm gonna give you some extra. You go ahead. Watch this. Watch this. Watch. I know my wife, she's all, Roger, can you really do it in seven minutes? I said, baby, do I take my Wendy's fries and dip it in the Frosty? Yes, I do. I can got this, baby. How many of you got anybody else do that? You take the fry and you put it in the milkshake. Oh, you're saved. You saved. Jesus. There you go. Hey, 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 watch this. So watch this, watch this. Here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. And after you run after God, you want to know the most crazy thing about that? What you find out is he's been running after you. He's been running after you. He's been running after you. And so that voice that as you hear everything that's been said from yesterday to today and what's about to be said, that negative voice that is constantly on replay telling you that you are not worthy, you need to understand that that is a lie and that there is a voice that speaks louder than that voice. There is a soft whisper that can shake your world that speaks louder than that voice. And that voice says, listen, they're worthy because I made them worthy. They're worthy because they don't stand before me in their name. They stand before me in my son's name. They're worthy because of my blood and because of what I've done. You're worthy. Find three people, just tell them you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Yo. Yo, I've been been on stages all over the world. I don't know how I follow any of this. Y'all crazy. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. I'm going to switch up what I was going to talk about. So there's a story in Judges. Can I just tell a story? I'm just going to tell a story. That's what Jesus did. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to tell a story. There's a story in the book of Judges. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's in Judges. It's in chapter 6. And it's a story about this dude named Gideon. All right? So Gideon, I believe, is from the Central Valley. Here's, here's how I know that. I believe Gideon was Mexican. 
Vente. Órale, que va. So the story of Gideon, I know how to get shout down in Lathrop. Come on, somebody. The story of Gideon, Gideon's out working in the fields, amen? Say less, right? Gideon's working in the fields. Not only was Gideon from the Central Valley a Mexican, but I believe he loved God. So he went to church. He's out there, he's working in the fields. And then the Bible says that the angel of the Lord revealed himself to Gideon. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was, hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon looked at the angel of the Lord and he said, who, me? He said, wait, me? You see me as a what? Not, not just as a, as, a, as a man of God, not just a good Christian, but a mighty warrior. Somebody, you don't, how many of you know there's a difference between a soldier and a mighty warrior? Soldiers do what they're told, and they'll go and they'll go to battle. But a warrior, you don't got to tell a warrior to go to battle. They already going. They, they, they like, get me at it. Let me get at this. I won't go. I'm trying to fight someone. They looking for a reason, right? I wish somebody would. So the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and he says, hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon's taken back by this. He's like, that's not who I am. Pastor Roger was talking about this, this guilt. That's not, aren't you glad that the Lord sees you differently than you see yourself? So then the angel of the Lord goes on to talk to this mighty warrior. And he begins to talk to Gideon. And he says, God is good. God is powerful. God is and Gideon just gets upset. I believe Gideon throws down the rake. And he says, listen, don't tell me how good God is. Because I've been living here for a long time, and there's a lot of bad happening. There's this group called the Midianites. And the Midianites, they were stealing everything. They were taking land. They were taking crops. They were taking women. They were taking money. He's like, if God's so good, then why is all this junk happening to my family and me? Why is God, why, why isn't Israel being taken care of? Why aren't we being taken care of if God's so good? Get out of here with all that talk. No. Slow your roll, Gideon. You're, you're talking to the, to the God man. Mighty warrior. So the, the, the retort was this. He's like, God is good. God is good. And in fact, those Midianites that you're so upset about, God is sending me to tell you that he's sending you to free all of Israel. Now hold on, don't get too excited yet. Because Gideon wasn't. Because that's when my bra went, started backpedaling. And do you know what he said? He said, but I'm, I'm just, oh, I'm just a little boy. Oh, I may have been in church, but I don't know all the Bible. I don't know all the worship songs. I've only been saved for this long. Oh, I'm not from where the big churches are. I'm only from Lathrop. I'm just from Manteca. I'm just from the Central Valley. Y'all laughing, but you've used the same excuses that I'm giving you that were used by Gideon. But here's the revelation. I got a, I got a seven-year-old, right? And he's learning how to pray, Pastor Chris. He's learning how to pray. And my wife and I, we laugh because he's asking all these questions about how real God is. Those are good questions, but hard to explain to a seven-year-old. 
And he says, because God's not answering my prayer. And I, and I had to ask my wife, I said, that's what? That's not my God. And then my wife informs me, oh, because he praying for toys. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I need that PS5. Here's the revelation. Here's the revelation. The Midianites, they've been bothering Israel for a long time. Long enough for this young man to be pissed off about it. Can I say that in your church, Pastor Chris? Pissed off. Not just pissed off at the Midianites, pissed off at God. And this is real. Angry at the Lord for not answering the very prayers that these people had been praying for years. Years. And here's my man out in the middle of the field where it's hot and he's working. And the God man comes down and says, you, I choose you. You are the one I'm going to use to free all these people. And he said, no, 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 not me. And he came up with every excuse he could. My family's poor. I'm not smart. I'm not rich. I'm not this. I'm not that. And the Lord wasn't scared. The Lord still said, no, 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 it's still you. God's response wasn't, oh, my bad, you're right. I came to the wrong spot. That wasn't, his, that wasn't his response. And here's the revelation. And this is what I believe God's doing even in this house this morning. When you're young, you pray for young things. You pray for toys. You pray for things that are shiny, things you can play with, because your brain can't wrap around anything else. But what you don't realize is that God has already marked you. God has already marked you. God already marked you. And the revelation is this. When you're young, you pray for young things. But when you're old, God reminds you, you got to be the answer to your prayer. You have to be the answer to your prayer. And I was breaking down crying as I had this revelation over my son. Because it's not that God isn't answering his prayers. It's that my son is going to be the answer to his own prayers. <sighs> Y'all didn't catch that. You didn't catch this. See, you're praying for somebody to come and save your school, but the answer is you. You're praying for somebody to come and get your family out of debt. The answer is you. You're praying for somebody to come and minister to your friend that's ready to commit suicide, but the answer is you. The answer is not me. The answer is not another youth pastor. The answer is not another conference. The answer is you. I just pray. Like Pastor Chris said last night, that you make yourself available and you say yes. Come on. Can we give it up for all these guys? So good. I don't even feel like I have to preach, but I'm going to. Uh... <laughs> Listen, I have seven minutes to explain to you guys what's been happening in my heart for... Mm. I have seven minutes to explain to you what's been happening in my heart for 17 months. 17 months ago, we had a prayer night. Small little prayer night, 15, 20 people on our team. No hype, no music, no band, just an iPod. That's it. We were praying, God, what do you want us to do? God, what would you ask of this group? What would you ask of this team? 
And as we're praying, I'm sitting right back there. I'm sitting over there, and he gives me a vision. He gives me a picture of Lathrop High School. And I see the high school, and I see the outside gate, and I see a lock on it. I see a lock on it and massive chains around it. And then I see Sierra High School. I see the gymnasium. And around the gymnasium was a lock and chains. And I said, God, I don't think this is an answer. This is a problem. I started wrestling with him. I said, God, I'm asking you what you want us to do. And he says this to me. He takes me to Matthew 9, 38. And he says, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. But your group is called to go. He says, as you go, I unleash the chains. The enemy has jurisdiction right now, but as you go, the chains are loosened. And can I tell you that since that moment, we have seen people encounter Jesus in our youth group like crazy. But can I tell you what God has also been doing the past 17 months is he's saying every month, every step of the way, he's saying, son, can you dream bigger with me? Thanks, son. Can you dream bigger than what you've ever dreamed before? He says, son, I know you asked for a little bit, but I'm going to give you more than you ever imagined. And I'm weeping because here we are. If you would have told me two years ago that we would all be in this place, I would have told you that you're crazy because I'm not the type to run a conference. Thank God for Pastor Ben because this thing would be a mess without him. I would have never thought it was possible. I would have never dreamed this. See, as I began to get a heart for, 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 for Lathrop and for Manteca, for Sierra, for our schools, for the region, God said, can you think regionally? And then I met Pastor Jaden at Mikasa. Come on. And what I realized is he had the same heart as I did to see not just his group, but this region be impacted. See, I believe God is giving us the okay, the authority to be sent. All these guys are telling you, yes, you. I think the theme of this seven on seven is you, yes, you. I think the theme is God is calling each and every one of you. And what if we believe for greater things than a big youth group? What if we believe for greater things than a really cool night with all the lights and the pizza? But what if we believe that God can actually get a hold of the Central Valley? That God can actually get a hold of your school? That God can actually shift it all? I need someone with me who is saying, I will not let the laborers be few in this place. Because the God I know restores everything. The Jesus I know, when he shows up at a high school, when he shows up at a workplace, restores everything. Can I tell you the reason I'm here is because someone was living missionally on a high school. I can tell you that your calling is going to lead to leaders and pastors and preachers. Can I tell you that your words on your campus has authority? They don't want to hear me. They need to hear you. 
I know what happens when God breaks through as revival happens. I know what happens is when we go, He begins to restore us. I know what happens when He breaks through, He begins to restore everything around us. Can I tell you that my wife and my daughter knew Jesus because of the person who shared the gospel at my campus? Can I tell you that because I got saved, they got saved, and they're going to be raised in the house of the Lord, and my kids' kids are going to be raised in the house of the Lord. We, we, tend to, we tend to dismiss what God has called us to. Oh, well, if only one person. Well, do you know what one person can do? I'm not just trying to hype you up. I'm trying to call you into a lifestyle of saying yes. I'm not just trying to make you feel good. I'm trying to call you into a lifestyle of saying, Jesus, send me. I will go. Because I know what happens when God gets a hold. We saw it 12 years ago with Pastor Chris at Manteca High School. Is when God got a hold of that man's heart. 120 kids got saved. It can be done. It's not crazy. It's one who will say yes to the call. But what if, what if 250 said yes to the call? I'm asking you, and I'm actually giving you permission to dream for the valley, to dream for the Bay Area, to dream for Northern California, that we would actually see that people wouldn't look at California and say, oh, that place is a mess. But people would look at California and say, what is happening in the young people there? Listen to me, this conference is not just a cool, hype, shiny moment. This conference is the beginning of ascending into our workplace, into our high school, into our region, into our families. This conference is like a little match, but when you pour Holy Spirit oil on a little match, everything around you catches flame. Listen to me, if you would say, you know what, today I want to make the decision. I love we saying I'm never going back. Today, you would say, send me, Lord, I will go. I want you to meet me up here at the altar. Come on, come on. If you would say, send me, Lord, I will go. I need you up here.